You can read him on NBA.com. You can watch him on NBA.com and NBA TV from time to time. Sean Powell joins us on the show. Hello, Sean. Hey, what's going on? Nothing much. Nothing much whatsoever. I'm watching Golden State, and we're getting all excited and getting all worked up about Golden State and some of the ebbs and flows of the season. Honestly, Sean, and I I want you to sell me on it if it's more than just hot air or us trying to find some things to write about over the last few weeks because there have been some awkward things. Steve Kerr getting upset with them, then putting heat on himself. Draymond Green, Kevin Durant getting into it, the the perpetual question, and it doesn't even seem like a question about Kevin Durant and whether or not he's going to leave. Honestly, what do you make of it? Is it just the regular season and things will be fine at least to the end of this year? Uh, bingo right there. Uh, I don't really put too much stock in the the drama, whether the drama is created, overinflated, or real, or whatever. The bottom line is, and I think think Draymond Green said this a few weeks ago, he said, this is not anything that's going to stop us from winning a championship. And really, when you really think about it, isn't that what really counts? You can go back to last year when Steve Kerr was exasperated over the way that the team sort of sleptwalked through a couple games, and they had, what, a losing streak of about, what, five games, whatever uh-huh, it was. Uh-huh. They fell off the pace from the previous year, and what did it matter? They won a championship. So I think sometimes the NBA season is long. And, yes, when you get 15 players in the room and you're, you ask them to coexist for eight, nine months, well, yes, some things happen. You know, these things are not new. It happened with the Lakers in the 80s, the Celtics. I mean, all the great teams, they they have some drama, Chicago Bulls, uh, Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr, all that stuff goes on. But the bottom line is is, is the bottom line. The, the Warriors are still the class of the NBA until proven otherwise. How often do you get that story out of Steve Kerr about him getting punched by Michael Jordan? Oh, it's something that he can laugh at now. He probably even laughed at it the, the day after it happened. I mean, uh, <laughs> y- you know, it's – look, again – and I, look, I'm sure you know you've been involved in sports for a while. Uh, you know, you're asking grown adults to – all of them to coexist. They've got different personalities, different temperaments. You know, they come from different environments. You know, there are a lot of things that go on that don't even see the light of day. So I find it hilarious. But look, this is the day and age we live in. You know, everything – is heightened, you know, everything is made up to be much more than what it probably is because that's the media age we live in, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. That keeps, that keeps people interested. It keeps giving you something to talk about and me something to write about. So I have no problem with it, but I just think we ought to keep all these things in the proper context. I will admit. I just don't, I, yeah, you know, I, I just I, don't I, see how it could affect the bottom line. I will admit it is a bit of a hoot to write about it, at least talk about it, at least for the right now. Bob Myers, though, he he said this will come to an end sooner than later when he was asked about it, I think just this last offseason. Do you think that this is a dynasty that sustains after this year if Kevin Durant leaves or if they lose somebody else? Or do you think that maybe some cooler heads will will prevail? Maybe Clay Thompson takes less or something like that, and they end up keeping the the great triumvirate together and their key core as they move forward. Well, Steve Kerr said something interesting a while back. You know, he says, you know what? Let's just enjoy it. It's not going to last forever. I mean, he saw where the Bulls couldn't last forever. Uh, and, yeah, I agree with Bob Myers. It's going to end sooner than later, only because it's been going like this for, what, about four or five years. So it's not going to go another four or five years. Um, now, it, you ask me whether the dynasty can continue if Kevin Durant leaves. Well, that opens the door for other questions. Where does he go? And does he go to a team that – 
you know, is it going to be a few years away like the Knicks or something like that, then, yeah, I would say the dynasty has a chance to continue because Kevin Durant won't be around to torment them. Um, but if he goes to the Lakers, then, you know, that's another conversation right there. Also, what, what happens with uh, DeMarcus Cousins? Does he stay? And does is is he come back healthy from his injury? Does he give them a different dynamic than they had in the past? And all of a sudden, you know, maybe the good times last for another year or two. Clay Thompson's not going anywhere. Clay Thompson is happy there. He's already said that he's not going to hit him up for the most amount of money and all that. I, he, he is the least of their worries. I think it's really Durant, and then they go from there. He's such a complete player, too. I have to give him so much credit, even though he's probably – because Draymond talks so much and does, and he's a great inside-out player. I'm not taking anything away from him. And Steph Curry brings everybody to the arena. It does seem to me – maybe it's different in Oakland, but it does seem to be to everybody else around the country that we talk about Clay the less, but, boy, he can defend anybody you put in front of him. And it's only a while before you get the shooting down to where he wants it to be, and it doesn't matter because he can still heat up at any time, especially in the fourth quarter, Sean. Yeah, but the, the, what Clay does is make the defense uh, respect him, and that's really the highest honor, that you can't really leave him open, particularly when he's on his, uh, at his uh, sweet spot on the floor, which is probably about two or three places. Uh, I'm not going to try to make him out into something he's not. I don't think he is, like, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. He's definitely one of the greatest shooters I've ever seen, but uh, he has his weaknesses. He's not, you know – you know, he's not on Durant's level, or well, and we know that. But for what they ask him to do and what they need him to do, he is absolutely perfect. He helps defensively, uh, you know, take the, the, the better guard away from Steph Curry. Uh, and, again, when he gets hot, there's probably not too many better shooters in the game. Uh, and, and he tends to rise. And you know what? He's not. He there's no drama with Clay. You know, Clay's kind of laid back, easy going. You know, and he, he's you know he's Clay. So you don't have to really worry about him. You just throw him out there, and you have a pretty good idea what you're going to get. What would you, Sean Powell joining us NBA.com? There's a possibility with the trade going on, and to see if the Lakers can get Trevor Ariza, you got to get a couple of teams to dance with him. What would Trevor Ariza bring to the Lakers with LeBron and with some of the young talent that they have? Even though he's 33 in his own right. Well, are we talking to Trevor Ariza, who was with Houston last year, or are we talking to Trevor Ariza with the Suns? Because Trevor Ariza, the Suns, is not doing anything. I mean, <laughs> you know, the guy is not making three points, but he's shooting like 32, 33 percent. Uh, you know, and this is on the team that needs him. Now, he's, he's, he hasn't shown me anything this year. And I'm a little disappointed. I shouldn't say disappointed because this is professional sports and you're out to make the most money you can. I get that. But I was just a little bit surprised when he left Houston. Yeah, I understand Phoenix gave him $15 million. But, you know, you can't leave a team like Houston that was on the cusp of going to the NBA Finals if a couple things went their way, particularly injuries, Chris Paul in the playoffs. And then go to the worst team in the NBA. It, that, that's a that's a stone cold money grab. Nothing else about it. And I, I don't I don't want to hear him complain that the Suns are losing. I mean, dude, you you, you knew what you were getting into. Uh, now, look, would it be great for him if he went to a contender with like the Lakers? Sure. And, and surrounded by better players, would that rejuvenate him? Who knows? But as I said before, you know, which trail are we talking about? The one with Houston or the one with Phoenix? Sean Powell joining us on the show. Stone Cold Money Grab. I love that term for it. So when he ends up going to Phoenix, or you, you, let me go back to this. So he ends up going to Phoenix. You call it a Stone Cold Money Grab. Like, go with me on this for a second, please. One year, $15 million. Does he take that? Does he take that knowing that maybe he could force his way back out? 
and end up with a better basketball team somewhere else and have somebody else pay the freight for the rest of the year? I'm not going to say that was his grand plan because I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I wouldn't put it past another player in that situation to do that, knowing that, you know what, when you sign a contract, you know, that contract's going to follow you, you know, and you can get the best of both worlds. You can have the money and then, you know, by February or even earlier, be on a better team. Uh, I get that. You know, there's a way. I've seen players and their agents, uh, you know, manipulate the system that way, you know, where they can get, you know, have their cake and eat it too. Uh, Look, if it works out for Trevor, more power to him. You know, more power to him. Uh, Here's a guy who i got to be fair to him. You know, he he probably played under market value for a few years in Houston. Mm -hmm. And and Houston just simply couldn't afford him after they paid Chris Paul all that money and – you know, had James Harden making a ton of money, and you know, uh, Clint Capella's got paid, so they, they couldn't afford him really. Sean Powell joining us, NBA.com. Follow him on Twitter at Powell to the People. Jim Boylan, should I start the clock on him in Chicago al- already? <laughs> You're buying, boy. Yeah. I mean that that one game, and I heard that he had some very strange practices where they went too long, and the players didn't want to practice or something like that. I don't know. I, I didn't think. Oh, well, they're having was- a mutiny already. Yeah, yeah. staging a coup. I never thought he was long term. I, I thought he was just a guy who was just going to. Because it's hard to find a permanent coach from the outside in midseason. I mean, I can't recall the last time a team fired a coach in midseason and then went outside and brought a, a whole new coach in. And usually it doesn't happen. They usually just elevate the assistant and bite the bullet and you know go for it. The, the problem here is that the the, the uh, the, the Bulls made a coaching change so early in the season. I mean, b- before you, before you really got into December, mm-hmm. that you've got to go virtually a whole season with the interim coach, and and, and that, you know, that can be kind of awkward. Look, for the Bulls in the big picture, doesn't really matter. This team wasn't going to contend for the playoffs anyway, and you know they probably they're probably another lottery pick or two from doing something. I know they got some decent young players, but they're probably another lottery pick or two from doing something. And if that lottery pick Turns out to be someone from Duke. Well, okay, then maybe it was worth it. It's just, man, you're less. Of, it was when, when was it? Was it Monday? They signed him, Sean, and we're doing this already by the end of the week here with Jim Boylan. Yeah. Like you, you at least want. And you're right. In the grand scheme of things, what the hell does it matter? You probably want, and I know that they do it differently, but you probably want the best chance of ping pong balls anyway. But. My God, can we at least all get along on something here as we're making it through freaking December with how many months left to go in the season in Chicago? And you know what? I think that might even be less uh, reflection on Boylan as it is maybe with uh, Gar, um, uh, uh, John Paxson. I agree. Gar Foreman. I mean, I when you, you think about it, they're the people who, who created this. I mean, the buck stops with them. What, what about their accountability? You know, how much blame should they take? I would say they should take a hefty share. They created this situation. So um, it, it'll be very interesting. Now, you know, Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf, the father-son duo that runs the, the Bulls, they've been pretty much hand-off. And, and Garfoman and John Paxman there a long time. But I'm going to be very curious about what may have happened uh, next offseason, whether or not those two are going to be calling the shots. I say it's, it's questionable. Sean Powell joining us, NBA.com. Kyle Lowry's had a rough few weeks shooting, but he's still moving the ball pretty well. Should there be any concern up in Toronto with him? No, because he goes in and out of that. Um, and when you got guys like uh, Pascal uh, Siakam, 
playing so much better, able to take up some of that slack. Uh, and then, you know, Bambly, uh, you know, be, being able to come off the bench and help out, I think that's kind of minimized a, a bit. And you can always, of course, lean on Kawhi Leonard. So I don't think it's really shown up too much in the standings. I know, you know, I know that, you know, the last couple of games haven't been great for Toronto, and they, they lost a big one to Milwaukee today. Uh, but, I, you know, look, I've seen enough of Kyle Lowry to know that, you know, he's, he's a, a, a very good player, uh, a veteran you know, a guy who can snap out of it. And, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. Final matchup coming up on Monday between Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. I want to run this by you. My legacy for Dwayne Wade, as far as being with LeBron, not not in terms of his own play, because he has been a legend in his own right. But for Dwayne Wade, there's a respect that I have for him as a player because he seems to be the only guy in LeBron's 15-year career now who actually played with LeBron and not for LeBron, and I think that there is a clear difference between those two, and I think Dwayne Wade's basically the only one who's ever done it. Yeah, you know, I had a, a long talk with uh, Dwayne Wade uh, yesterday and um, about playing with LeBron, and he said that, you know what, it really wasn't that easy. Uh, that first year in Miami, uh, look, superstars have egos, and you know, LeBron was coming to Dwayne Wade's team. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit awkward at first, and, and, and you know, and you as you recall, they they started out what uh, six and eight or whatever it was. They started out very slowly, but it wasn't friction. There was no animosity there. It was just uncomfortable. And I think LeBron had to adjust. You know, here's a guy who you know owned the team in Cleveland and and came to Miami and was clearly the better player than Dwayne Wade, not by much, but you know, the better player. But he had to adjust and give credit for both of them. They both adjusted, you know, and their friendship blossomed even further from there uh, to the point where I think, you know, I think it's going to be pretty special tomorrow when they exchange jerseys after the game. Uh, You know, all the cameras will be there and everything. This is a a very meaningful uh, point in their careers and in their, you know, in their friendship. And I don't think it'll be uh, something special to watch as well. Sean, we thank you very much for the time, my friend. I do hope to run you down again very soon. Take care. Yeah, that sounds good.